Kindled Podcast is brought to you by the generous support of our donors. If you want to join them in making this show possible, visit kindledpodcast.com slash give. Hello, and welcome to episode 48 of Kindled, a podcast where women share stories of motherhood, work, and the grace we need for both. So here we find ourselves in the middle of what feels like a long winter, at least where I live in the Midwest. I saw a friend of mine say that it feels like January 74th, and to that I say, I feel you. (laughs) Absolutely agree. That's why I feel like it's the perfect time for the conversation that we have today with Sarah Hagerty. Sarah is a mom of six and a wife, and she lives here in Kansas City where I live. She is also the author of the book, Unseen, and Every Bitter Thing is Sweet. I share more about the funny connection we have in our interview, but I want to say that I love this conversation because Sarah has a lot of experience in accepting the season that she's in, um, and it's very evident in speaking to her that she just has a lot of wisdom in this area and, uh, and helps us to talk and understand how we can grow even in a season like winter. So I also want to, before we get started, ask you that if you are a regular listener of this show, I want to invite you and request that you rate and review uh, Kindled on iTunes. It really helps other moms find it. You know when you are on your podcast app and you scroll all the way down to the bottom and it shows recommended shows? Those little icons and suggested listens only show up because of the listeners' reviews of those shows. So keep sharing this show with your friends in real life or online, and if you haven't yet, rate and review it on iTunes. You can go to our website, and there is a nice little button right on the homepage that'll take you there if you don't want to mess with it. And then next, don't forget that you can still join us on Patreon for either 5 or $9 and receive Patreon-only content each month, and you will be keeping the lights on in my little home office where I record and produce this show, and also getting some fun Patreon-only content. So to do that, go to patreon.com slash kindledpodcast. And then the last thing to say is that our anniversary episode is scheduled for next Monday, February 4th, so that means that we're almost one, which is crazy. I can't even believe it's been an actual year. But I have received some awesome stories from you guys, and I would love to have even more. So if you want to participate and share what God is teaching you in your work and your motherhood, please email me at Haley at KindledPodcast.com, or you can leave a message if you would rather leave a voicemail at 913-283-4514. I really think this is going to be a unique and fun way to kind of commemorate a year and um, to share the stories of others who are listening to the show and Um, you know, just where you're at right now, it it doesn't have to be um, a profound truth. It doesn't have to be rehearsed. It just has to be true. It just has to be, you know, your, your situation, your life, what God's doing in your heart through work and motherhood. So I think we all have stories we could tell. So for those of you that uh, want to share yours, I'm giving you the mic and I'm allowing you to do that. So please feel free to call or email me your story. All right, now to my conversation with Sarah. All right, so today on Kindled, I am chatting with Sarah Haggerty. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Yes, uh, we have, we've been trying to make this happen for a while, so I'm excited that I'm finally getting a chat with you. We are in the same city. We both live in Kansas City, which is fun, but doing this virtually because real life. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
and in children. And uh, you have a lot of children. Can you introduce yourself and your family? Yeah, I have. um, I have six kids. My oldest is turning 15 in two days and my youngest is one. So and a whole lot of kids in between there. Mm -hmm. My husband and I uh, were married for a long time before we even had kids. We our first four children we adopted. And then after 13 years of marriage, kind of had this miraculous surprise biological baby and then had another one. So I've got teenagers and we're changing diapers. Yeah. Wow. And hopefully some teenagers that are also changing diapers, I would assume. They are changing diapers too. Yes. Which is awesome. Well, I'm the oldest of five and you actually know my brother relatively well because Mm -hmm. he works for your husband. So Mm -hmm. gosh, I can't remember. It was, you know, over a year ago, probably when I made that connection, but I, I think I had already started your book reading unseen Mm -hmm. and I didn't make Mm -hmm. the connection at all with like your last name being Haggerty, but Mm-hmm. At some point, Christian said something about, you know, oh, yeah, you know, my boss Nate's wife wrote this book. And I was sort of like, huh, well, what book? And then he told me and I was mm-hmm. like, are you serious? I like I'm reading that book. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe that. That's so wild. Yeah. So I just didn't make the connection. So I'm excited that we're we're meeting for the first time virtually. Yeah. So uh, you wrote a book called Unseen, and I'm sure we'll get into that and talk about that. But I was thinking about kind of the season that we're in. Well, I was kind of thinking about the topic of unseen and what it is to be in the season we are in where so much is actually very seen and very, you know, out there. Like we are, we are decorating our homes. We are showing up to parties. We are seeing family and engaging in a way that we don't normally, you know, the rest of the year, there's just, it's a unique Mm -hmm. time of year. And so as, as I was kind of thinking about that, and just how it's such a seen time. And then the dreaded, sometimes for me, the after Christmas and after New Year's, and then it gets mm. quiet. And then you're like, well, now I'm just in a long, slow, cold, dark winter. And you get back mm-hmm. into the real everyday grind of being a mom and just doing the, keeping the laundry moving and, you know, meal planning, you know, all the little things that are just kind of the mm-hmm. mundane, unseen tasks of life. And mm-hmm. In the middle of this thought process, this kind of stream of consciousness I was having, I was like, let me go hop on our website. And the very top article across the homepage was when you find yourself in winter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, what? I have to read this. So then I, of course, read your article and it was exactly what I was talking about. You have to, you know, you go into these seasons of, of winters, you have to have healthy roots. You say a tree doesn't survive the winter without healthy roots and neither do we. That's kind of what I wanted to kick off our conversation yeah. talking about, honestly, because, you know, this episode's going to be airing after the holidays. And so people are going to be like in that maybe downward slump a little bit emotionally of like the high. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's kind of a familiar mm-hmm. time. So walk me through like kind of back to you as a young mom, like what did that season look like for you, your, your winter that you write about. And that is, is very much a part of the story of, of unseen in your book. Yeah. I mean, I think winter stretched for me, even before I was a mom, winter for me started with just some difficulties in our marriage and very surprising infertility, which I think for anybody's infertility is surprising, but the longer it stretches on, it can feel especially alienating and Um, my, during that time, my dad was also diagnosed with cancer and he died. Mm. So it just felt like one thing after another. I mean, it truly felt like years of winter for me Mm -hmm. where 
I am watching my friends. Uh, I mean, we were in our 20s, stretching into our 30s. So our, my friends were like starting foundations and quite literally doing things that are world-changing types of things. And, you know, all, everything from their careers to even like a ministry setting where they're sharing the gospel with their neighbors in the inner city. And I'm going, I don't know that there's anything more significant than that. Mm -hmm. And yet my husband and I, Nate and I were both in a place where we felt very winterized. Like I, I was like, I don't know that I can even, you know, I can write a check right now. And that's about it in terms of what I can do to care for the poor. I just physically didn't feel like I was able to because our season was so dark and it was so long. And so I suppose in some ways, the bulk of my winter was without children. But when we started our adoption process and then quickly became a family of two, a family of four, and then a family of six, I mean, it just felt like I blinked and all of a sudden I had that many children. Mm. Man, it was this similar hues. I think that's part of what caused me to write the book as I started to see, wait a second, when I was walking through infertility and had no kids and my friends were all growing their families and I felt so unseen and so alone wasn't all that different than me having two kids or four kids that had been adopted and feeling like most of my life lived between these four walls no one knows about. And and does it even really matter? Because I left college thinking, well, you changed the world for God, right? So, okay, what does this look like when I'm mostly changing laundry and diapers? Mm -hmm. And really like having a shower a couple times a week feels like a huge success. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it is, it actually is. It is. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, I identify with that a lot and I still, still have young kids. You obviously, you have a kid that's younger than mine, a one-year-old mm -hmm. and so many, so much of our day, I mean, like the bulk, uh, if not more than, you know, I would guess more than 95% of our day is actually unseen. Even for those of us mm -hmm. that feel like we're very connected or, you know, whether that's through like we're, we're always texting people or we're on social media, like I, I think that we, we all would recognize that most of our lives is really not seen and really, really, and maybe right. by our immediate family, our kids or our husband sees that. But, um, you know, even, even my husband is gone for 40, 50 hours a week. So I'm just here, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, those little people are seeing like what life looks like, but it can be, it can definitely be <laughs> not exactly offering the affirmation you need. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, and nothing's ever good enough, you know, nothing's ever enough um, because they have little sinful hearts as well. So uh -huh. um, yeah, I think that I would love to hear you talk about this, just that whole reality that our lives are often and usually unseen can either be mm -hmm. like such an isolating, depressing fact or it can lead us to a place of like that rich communion with God, which is what you write a lot about in Unseen and what your journey mm -hmm. to recognizing those unseen places as valuable, you know, not for what you could mm -hmm. do, but because of just who you were and how he saw you. Mm -hmm. What was the shift that took place in your, like when, when and how did that yeah. take place for you? Cause I, I mean, I know, for me, that feels sort of like a constant battle still to, to pick mm -hmm. myself up, preach to myself the truth, you know, when I get into those places of like, oh, this is just hard. Yeah. Well, I think the beginning of it, I, my husband and I have been in full-time ministry and doing what we felt like was some of the most impactful work for God that we could do on the earth. We were sharing the gospel with teenagers, with their parents. Mm -hmm. I, I'd know nothing but that ministry as a part of my Christian walk. And so 
here we were doing this. And yet somewhere in the middle of that, I'm going, well, I'm having all these conversations with like high school girls about Jesus. And in the back of my head, I'm going to, do I even really believe this? Like not, not that I didn't believe the crux of the gospel, but kind of like talking about to them about this life-changing love of Jesus. And yet, if I'm really honest right now, I feel pretty bone dry on the inside. And so in the midst of this, we decided for to take a break from ministry. And I sort of saw myself as like flunking out. I didn't make it. I didn't cut it. Like here I am the poster child of, I, I, I wanted to be the poster child of like, I will do this until I die. And yet I just couldn't. And so, and so I started working at this little boutique uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia, and it sold imported French and, and Italian pottery and table linens. Mm-hmm. And unique enough boutique that like maybe sometimes there were like five customers in a day. I didn't really, they asked me not to dust because they said customers like cottage dust. And I, so literally I'm in this store like with nothing to do and not, and, and honestly feeling so dry on the inside that I'm not even at a place where I'm like sharing the gospel with people who come in. I just was, it, it was a little bit of a crisis of heart and but it was in that store. I would take my Bible in and kind of crack it open behind the cash register and I, I wanted to see what God thought about me when I wasn't producing for him. That was part of the reason why we took a break from ministry is I was so, con- my perspective on myself was so intertwined with what I did for God that I didn't know what would it look like? Who am I really when I'm not doing for God? Mm-hmm. And what I started to find in this little boutique, creme de la creme um, is what it was called. What I started to find is that I, if, as I read the passages in scripture about God's emotions towards his people, at times they're very independent of what they do. And here I am working in this boutique feeling like if I really open myself up, I actually think he's kind towards me. Like I actually don't think he's irritated that I'm not using my college degree, that I'm not sharing the gospel, that I'm not advancing his work on the earth, but that he actually is like has kind eyes. He has a kind disposition towards me and he has a generous spirit towards me. And so it was in that store that I started to think, wait a second, I'm doing like absolutely nothing for you, God. And yet you like me? what? Mm-hmm. And that was the start of it for me to just begin to have those kind of conversations with God where I'm like, I'm not producing. What do you think of me here? And to actually find his response to be that he enjoys me. Mm. Yeah. That's, it's pretty powerful to know that that's true. And like you said, like you knew it in your head or you, you were telling others like how much God loved them and probably was with them mm-hmm. and whatever they were dealing with or wherever they were at. But like taking that and saying, but is it true for me? You know, especially when you feel a burden or a sense of like you're on mission for the kingdom and you've got all these like lofty Mm -hmm. ideals for what your life can or should be. And then Mm -hmm. that gets rerouted or it gets changed for a time. And Mm -hmm. it's not that your ultimate, your ultimate purpose as a believer is ever changed or thwarted, but it's just like, this isn't how I thought it would look. I thought it was going to look like that. And that's what I wanted. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, I, I almost feel like our truest representation of how we really believe God sees us is when we are most weak mm-hmm. or least productive. How do we think he sees us then? That's really the reflection of whether we believe that God loves us. And honestly, I still, I mean, I, I definitely don't feel like this is something I mastered. I wrote the book several years before it was even published. I lived it years before that. Mm. And yet still in my life, I'm going, what are the areas? I mean, even recently, one of the thoughts that I've had is that I think 
we as women can just run to comparison. You know, mm-hmm. you like she looks better in those jeans, and why mm-hmm. is she so cute all the time? And or how mm-hmm. can she pull off like bringing that meal to that person and taking care of her kids and caring for her parents? Like, mm-hmm. I just can't do that, or whatever it is. We do that, but typically, I feel like our the areas where we compare are the ones that we just have not heard the whisper of God over us. Mm-hmm. That we haven't heard what He thinks about us when we're not doing those things. Mm-hmm. And so I still feel like, you know, this is a, I wrote the book and I'm still finding areas in my life where God's going, Hey, can we talk about this and mm-hmm. how I see you right here? Yeah. I love that. Like the way of thinking of that, because I mean, you see that it's easy for me to identify that in other people and go, well, you're just not, you know, claiming you're, you're not really believing what God says here in the, in your life when you're complaining about that. But then I do it in my own, I obviously do it in my own heart and life as well, but it's yeah. harder for me to see. So um, yeah. I do have a similar kind of thing that, that recently kind of brought me to that through that same process of uncovering what does God really think about me in this, like X, you know, X situation or mm-hmm. X position. And mm-hmm. um, I, I had a launch of a program, uh, an online course that I've been working on for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it was like a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. It didn't go, it wasn't as profitable as I thought. It wasn't as smooth as I thought right. it like I sort of thought, you know, oh God, you're leading me to this. And therefore, if I do it well, and if I do a good job, you will make it successful. And that will be my sign that I've done a good job and I did what you wanted. And I kind of followed all, you know, all of the, the, the promptings Mm -hmm. and the, the spirit where I felt like I was being led and then success, you know, monetary, financial, and just whatever I had determined was success, not, not only financial, Mm -hmm. but even just, things kind of going easily and, and all like all the the smooth things, like it actually the opposite happened. Almost everything that Mm. could have gone wrong did. And it's, it wasn't like the worst thing in the world. And it just was, it was hard. It was really hard for me. And, Mm. and I found myself very upset and like very frustrated and like, Mm. I don't understand. Was I, did I misunderstand what Am I wrong? Was this just, you know, was this my own will and I was following it for myself Mm. and I, and I misread and, you know, after a few weeks of kind of sitting in those feelings and, and praying and asking, like, really, if if the goal was to lead me away from it, then just please tell me so I can, like, stop trying yeah. so hard, you know? And But that wasn't what I heard. Like, what I really mm. believe the, the lesson was, was like, no, I needed you to, st- I needed you to, to see this, to see the work of your hands fail in in the terms in the way that you were wanting it to succeed so not it mm-hmm. wasn't actually an overall failure like it it really wasn't mm-hmm. but in the way that i wanted I, I what i really heard was like i need you to see this fall apart so that you can actually just turn to me and not to the success of your work which is my propensity yeah. every time and when i realized that like that was his heart in it i was like I can, okay. Like then I, I can withstand Mm. any failure like that. If it's because you love me and you want me to feel how much you truly love me, regardless of that success, then I'm excited to, I'm excited to fail. Like, that's okay. Like I can almost get on board with it, you know, but it was that it, it actually kind of, it changes everything about how you think about your situation. Like that that was a kindness of God to not allow me to get what I had prayed and asked and worked so hard for because I, what I got instead was more of him and more of his heart for me. Yes. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, you know, I love that because I feel like the more, the older we get, the more we think we're going to grow out of that need for affirmation from him. And we're going to grow out of that need for his constant reassurance that Mm -hmm. he likes us. He's delighted in us. He's, and yet, Honestly, I mean, I, I just look at, I, I feel like our culture, in our culture, there can be such a dearth of affirmation because comparison is running so rampant. Mm-hmm. And yet, I think maybe that's also the orchestration of God, because when these th- when we don't get the affirmation or when something seemingly fails, even if it might not be a failure externally, but a failure by our standards, mm-hmm. it is an opportunity. I, I really, I mean, I look at kind of all the areas where I feel the weakest. And if I can really lean into him, they actually become things I stop resenting. Yeah, right, right. And actually then understand that like Paul says we can count our trials all joy. We can count it all joy and you end you start to get a real picture of what that means. Like that doesn't that isn't just yes. a nice verse that kind of sounds encouraging, but it's truly like there is real meat on those bones that you you do enter into a very weird kind of joy that like even mm. in the midst of what others are kind of saying like Oh, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry. That must be so hard. But like, you can instantly, I'm not saying it's a, it's an instantaneous Mm. process every time. There's obviously like, there's tears, there's praying, there's lots that goes into like learning that. But I do think it's, you know, with the spirit, like that's how he transforms our perception of our reality. Yeah. I like how you say it, a weird kind of joy, because I think that's really it. Yeah, it is weird. And it's not something that the world gets, you know, they don't understand that. Mm -hmm which is why we can't be looking to them for our affirmation because that's, we won't find it. You know, we won't find enough. So you say in the basement underground seasons of my life, his word and his whisper became fresh to me. I wanted it not so that I could teach it or share it or sermonize it, but because I was thirsty. So thirsty during my daddy's restless nights, I needed God to highlight a phrase from his word to sustain my little girl heart. And then you talked about how you weren't changing the world. You were changing your parents' laundry but through that, that God was changing you. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you you wrote a book about your journey through seeing yourself through God's eyes, kind of, and, and how mm-hmm. that those unseen moments were actually really seen. What kind of fruit, I guess, do you see from your from your own life and in your own story that is like, how do we know? How do we know that those underground seasons are producing fruit versus are we just kind of staying underground and not being not allowing ourselves to truly be planted? Do you know what I mean? What yeah, is the that's fruit? a great question. evidence of seeing ourselves in the right way through God's eyes? Like, what, are, what does that look like? I mean, two stories come to mind. One is my mornings. I, I mean, I'm a thinker and I can get caught, all caught up in my head sometimes. And so traditionally, like for as long as I've been walking with God, 25, 22 plus years, mornings have been really hard because I'll wake up and I'll immediately be thinking of what I need to do or what I didn't do yesterday. I mean, it's almost kind of like the roll call of what was not or what won't be in my life. Mm -hmm. And I, for a long time, I thought, oh, this is just life. And then you get married and you kind of have, not that this is the case for everybody, or you have a close friend and you see, wait, they're not thinking that way. Or maybe, you know, maybe this doesn't have to be that way. Um, But what I have found in recent years, I would say in the past five or six years, I've been able to look back and go, wow, I used to be like totally shackled in my thoughts, in my thought life, my mental world. 
And I'm waking up with expectancy in the mornings and I'm, I'm waking up feeling like, how are you going to meet me? God, like literally sometimes that is the thought on my mind mm-hmm. and that you can't discipline that into your life. Like that actually to me is evidence of fruit that I am mm-hmm. or other times where I feel like where I've been especially unseen and haven't taken it to God. And I just caught, get caught up in this mental swirl or this productive swirl where I'm kind of trying to make something of my life. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of days later, I look back and I'm like, what have I been doing with my time? And like, why am I pouring myself into this thing? Well, I think I'm doing it because I really want somebody to notice, or I really want to feel mm-hmm. like I am valid for some reason, or I need to, mm-hmm. I want to feel like I have worth. But I would say also in recent years, I've just seen a lot of that quiet. Like I have found there's, there's been a profound peace that he's brought to my mind. And not all the time, but I feel like I, when I get off the path, I've been able to even return to that piece. Um, I think it's, what is that? Isaiah 26, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. And I think for a long time, I thought, boom, just conjure up trust. But I think what's happened is I've started to really hear more and more in different areas of my life, his words over it, like his, like, kind of like with your experience with the with what you launched or with me in the failures with my kids or in the mundane of my day, the more that I hear his words over it, the more I feel tethered to him, the more that trust grows and the more that I lean. And so peace comes. Yeah. So I think that's, that's one way. I mean, the other one, the other area where I've seen fruit is primarily as a mom, because, you know, I've got teenagers and babies now. And so the combination of the two makes for a lot of chaos. <laughs> I love the teenage years, but they're like hugely formative and shaping. It's not like I'm resenting them, but they are intense. I've got three teenage daughters wow. and that's no small thing. And three, teenage, yeah. three teenage daughters who have been through trauma. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, on paper, I would say my life looks pretty intense and chaotic in terms of walking through with our kids, what we are, especially our four bigs who were adopted. And yet I continue to find that the Lord is bringing a greater peace to my life. And I'm like, man, if that, if that's the scale, like, or if that is the measurement that I get, my life gets more intense, more chaotic, and yet I'm seeing peace and joy increase, which is essentially Galatians, right? The fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I am seeing the power of finding his eyes on me yeah. and actually finding that is the greatest measurement. Cause I think as moms, we just get in this rut where, we are measuring ourselves against Pinterest, against our best friends, against some kind of parenting book that we read. And those things are not necessarily bad, but I think the more that we measure ourselves according to his eyes, there's just peace that comes in the parenting. There's peace that comes in the chaos. Yeah, that's so true. When you were talking about like getting into a mental swirl, I really identify with that a lot. And I think, mm. you know, I think most of us, most most, I don't know if that's fair, but I do think a lot of women, most of our troubles and anxieties are just all up in our head. You know, it's not like if you look around, it's like, okay, what is the, what is your terrible situation right now? Um, you're, you know, five days behind on laundry. You don't have dinner ready. Your kids are fussy. And, you know, I mean, I'm just talking about my own situation. I'm, I'm, I know other people have like bigger problems than that, but on a given afternoon when I might be feeling like, my life is falling apart. It's like, if I just stop being so <laughs> freaking dramatic, you know, I can be like, actually you're fine. And you just need to get uh-huh. over yourself because you're just, uh-huh. you're clinging to whatever. I don't know. Who knows what it is. It could have nothing to do with those things that I'm 
looking to be looking to be seen. And then, you know, my husband walks in the door, the door, the poor guy. And then I'm like, well, you just have no idea what I've been dealing with. I need you to deal with, I need you to take over. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm probably the only mom that does that. Right. You're um, it. I mean, no one else does that. No, no one, one else is like, take them. I'm going to my room. <laughs> a friend texted recently. He was traveling and he said his wife had, had said to him, I'm going after he got back from his travels. He, his wife said, I'm going on a long run and I might come back. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Right. That's like how we feel. And yeah, I do think in sometimes I even as I'm like yesterday, I was kind of, I was in the the actual productivity swirl where I was actually doing things and getting a few things done. So I was starting to feel good about myself, but the mental story or the narrative or, or whatever lie the enemy was sort of telling me was like, but it's not good enough because you didn't do this and this and this. And, and mm. this is behind and you're still actually, you're still actually failing. And, and so even though I was kind of like it, it was mixed with like thanking God for the opportunity to get a few things done that I did need to do. And the kids were happy watching a show for a few minutes. And I was like, this is okay. Thank you. It, it was no sooner that the lies entered as well. And then it was about the time my husband got home. And then I kind of let those control the narrative that I pushed on him of this is my situation. Mm-hmm. This is my, you know, feel bad for me. And he's very gracious with me in those times and often like gives me way more than I deserve. And it's like, okay, do you need oh, to that's awesome. Like, do you need to get up? You need to get out of here. <laughs> you know? but, um, but Target is full. The aisles of Target are full of moms taking a breather. <laughs> right. They really are. Um, yeah. And I was like, I, I think I even was like, no, I don't want to go to Target. Like that's not going to fix my problems. Like my problems are bigger than Target can handle today. Anyways, I, I'm looking at the question, like, how can we cultivate our roots? Because I need to know, like, I, I need that. And I know that that is what I need in those times and in every in every day, really, like to cultivate my roots deep so that when that, whether that winter of feeling unseen is just a momentary winter or an afternoon winter mm-hmm. or an actual literal months where you feel stuck mm-hmm. inside and you feel like kind of imprisoned by your own life. Um, mm-hmm. And even the things that you're so grateful for and know our enormous blessings can, can also feel like shackles sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, how, how do we cultivate our roots? How do you do that in your own life? You know, the phrase comes to me as you ask the word heals. And I feel like that's been a theme in my life that I have, I might want to reach for inspiration when I'm really struggling. I actually like, I can, I, the, so the litmus test on how I'm doing is what I'm like physically craving. So if I am wanting like a bag of chips and if I just want junk food, it's pretty indicative that like I'm not in a great place. And I think sometimes spiritually we do the same thing. Like we kind of placate the deeper things with like, oh, I just want inspiration or, mm-hmm. oh, I'll just scroll through this great blog post. And not that those things are bad, but I honestly have not found unlocking in me related to anything other than the word. And I, and I mean, the word and the Holy Spirit, I think they're both combined, but I do feel like, I don't know. I, um, it's kind of one of sometimes the last thing I want to turn to. And it's the first thing that I need. Sometimes I think our modern day understanding our modern day Christianity has kind of put the word in a place where we have it on Sundays or we, maybe have a friend text it to us or we just experience it in the morning or maybe real quick at night when in reality, the times that I need the word of God the most are usually in the random in the middle of the afternoon when I'm spiraling. Mm-hmm. And so one of the, one of the ways that I've found to cultivate roots is to like, I, I use a phrase, I think in the book called or where I'll say like, let's reclaim the white space. Cause there are pockets in our day mm-hmm. that are 
that we really are white space that we oftentimes fill with scrolling Instagram or texting somebody back or reading a news article and when they actually could be pockets of time that we can just refuel. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes I, I kind of see them as like, well, I got to sit down for 30 minutes and journal. And, but what about 10 minutes in the middle of your afternoon when you're spiraling, mm-hmm. getting alone and actually saying, God, can you speak to me through these pages? Like breathe life into my lungs. They feel like they're closing in. I can't breathe. I'm spiraling. Um, so the short answer to your question is I think honestly, as women, there is just power in what the word of God can do in our lives. Yeah. There is no, uh, there is no better like salve for, you know, the ills that, uh, that plague us really than that. And that's, yeah, we know that's true. And I mean, we have it. It is often though, like you said, like the first place we need to go is the last place we want to turn and the last place we end up. Yeah. But then it's, it's interesting. Cause like, I, I feel like that's what maturing as a believer looks like in my mind is, going there faster and and not that you stop needing yes, to go there. Yeah. It's just like your, your reflex when you get there is you, you go there, you go to the right place quicker than going through the process of swirling out of control or having the breakdown or having the, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't cry, but like having the, the emotional outburst that you might otherwise have had. And then finally being like, God, I need your help, you know? Um, yeah. But like in, at the outset of that going, like I'm recognizing those signs in myself. I'm recognizing the tendency that I know that I have to go to the place of productivity or of um, numbing or of shopping mm-hmm. or eating to like, to cover the, you know, the inadequacies that I'm feeling going right to God in that moment and asking for what you need instead of waiting for that whole process to, to take its full run. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You say in this article, one thing I really liked is you talked about um, receiving your season and you Mm -hmm. say rather, rather than giving your energies towards wishing for another, the surrender, although painful positions us to receive all that God intends for that particular season much better than if we fight against it. So receiving your season, whatever season you're in, that's good mm-hmm. advice. How has God enabled you to do that in, in where you're at today? Do you see yeah. your spirit kind of not fighting and not pushing as hard? Like you talked about kind of the, the word heals, like what does that look like for you in this season? Well, and in terms of receiving my season, honestly, I feel like God knows his people and I'm pretty stubborn. And so I, for me to receive my season, it's been years of him going, I'm going to put you in your season. Mm. You think you're in winter or you think you're in harvest and you're really in winter, or you think you should be in spring, but you're really in summer. I remember actually two years ago, um, I do the same run every day. Mm. I'm a creature of habit Mm -hmm. and I was on my run and it's right. Actually my run, I run next to a field Uh, I think it's soybeans and the runoff from the field runs onto the sidewalk. And while I'm on my run, I slip on the mud and water on the sidewalk. And I like literally just broke my ankle. Oh my gosh. And it was spring and I had a lot of plans for the spring and I actually was pregnant and um, I didn't know I was pregnant. I learned I was pregnant because I went to get an x-ray and they gave me a pregnancy test. That's a different story. But (laughs) so in, in like an instant, my spring totally changed. Because I was now not able to walk up the stairs. I couldn't drive. I could barely cook dinner, like for months mm. as I healed. And it, what was ironic is that during that time, the field that I run by, I, I had my husband drove me by it several times just because we go by it to get to other places. And I noticed that the field went fallow. 
which is actually something that farmers do to, it's an enhancing of the field to let mm-hmm. it go fallow mm-hmm. for a period of time. And I felt like that's what the Lord was saying about my life. I want you to go fallow. Like I want it to, to die, to rest, to not grow and produce right now. And I was like, that's not at all what I had planned for that season. Well, I had a series of things like that where I kept expecting it's going to be this this is the season where I'm going to really grow and produce. This is a season of impact, mm. or this is the season where there's a lot of fruit. And the Lord just kind of gently going, no, that's not actually your season. I'm, I'm the one who ordains your season. Enough times that I find myself every few months, it's just been kind of becoming habit where I'm like, Lord, tell me what season I'm in. Cause mm, yeah. I don't really know. Yeah. You know, even this spring, this past spring, we had, a, a, my sister was diagnosed with cancer and I had a pretty significant health issue surface all in a matter of months when I thought that this was going to be a totally different season in my life. And it was like the Lord again, going, ask me your season, ask me what season you're in. Cause once you know, you then react according to that season. Like you yeah. don't necessarily try and be in a different, not, not that, I mean, I would say over time, as we mature, we start to respond according to that season. Right. But so I feel like the older I get, the more I see his ways and the more I'm like, okay, I'm not going to try and make this spring, or I'm not going to try and make this harvest. You tell me God, what's the season? Cause I, it just goes better when I ask you. And then I align accordingly to what you say. Yeah. Oh, that's, I've never, I've never thought about that. And I love that. Just that mindset of looking at your life, um, not in terms of, you know, I mean, we, we often do kind of plan our steps and say, you know, okay, mm-hmm. I've, I've put in the time I've sowed now it's time to reap and I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, launch this thing and I'm going to reap all the rewards. And, um, yeah, what's the verse that's like, man plans his steps, but the Lord, or is it man plans all mm-hmm. his ways and Lord directs his steps, something I'm like sure. that. Steps. Yeah. Well, and I also think of like one of the things that as, as it relates to seasons, Ecclesiastes three, has been pretty significant for me because if you look at the passage, you know, some of those, it's a time, you know, we know it poetically, but like, okay, let's talk practically. Like there's a time to be born and a time to die later, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones. There's a time to speak. There's a time to keep silent. Well, I, my flesh like wants to just everything to be a certain time, but if I'm not in line with the right time, then I'm speaking when I'm supposed to be silent. Mm-hmm. And no wonder there's so much friction on my insides that I'm gathering stones, but I'm actually supposed to be casting away stones. So when I'm dancing, but really the God is saying it's a time to mourn. Mm-hmm. And I think seeing that just allows me to go, okay, God, you are complex and there are parts of you that I don't know and you know best. So tell me the season. So I'll do what that what's required in that season. And I feel like, oh, there's so much more peace on my inside when I'm doing what's required in that season rather than trying to do what I think I should be doing just because that's what humans do. Yeah. Wow. I love that. So many good takeaways here. The The last thing that I want to ask you about is your, your third, your, one of your third points that you talk about in this article, which has kind of been my, my guide, I guess, for this conversation, because it mm-hmm. just really seemed to align well with the season that we are actually in weather and season wise for us in mm-hmm. here in this part of the year is the point number three is don't forfeit your dream for fruit. And mm-hmm. that is really kind of a provoking thought. Can you unpack what you mean by that? Because, you know, we're, you're talking about asking God what season you're in instead of saying, here's where I'm at. But then that doesn't mean that you stop having, you know, it doesn't mean that you now put aside all desire for fruit and say, no, I don't care about fruit anymore. And pretend to, you know, pretend that you don't mm-hmm. actually value 
the harvest like that you you still do but how do you do that and and what does it mean to not to not forfeit that I feel like that's pretty nuanced but I think we can be so binary like and I should just stuff these dreams and I actually we're just I I feel like we're really fish with how we handle dreams either we want to run them run and chase after them the second we have them because we feel like they should come about or we're so scared of them because they feel so outside of our reach that we'd rather just stuff them and kind of keep going on with life. When I feel like there's kind of a middle road of going, okay, dreams are tied to desire and God does put desire in me. And he does say he gives us the desires of our heart. And so I seeing dreams more as something dream for, or even a dream for fruit as something to steward. So not something to make happen, not something to shove away, not something to resent, not something to follow. But really something to go, okay, I want to steward this. So for me, there's a couple of dreams that I'm carrying right now that I, I, as I prayed into them, I feel like we, we might be 20 years from those. Okay, God, I want you to do the work of me carrying this with you for 20 years. What can that do to my insides? Mm-hmm. And I, I think I have a unique advantage of having waited for 12 years to conceive and seeing God do something pretty miraculous. I think it's made me, it's opened my eyes to possibility and also to the beauty of delay, that delay doesn't mean never, and that you still can carry your dreams and they can, God can use you carrying them without them coming to fruition to really shape you. Yeah. And I, you know, I think in other cultures, I think actually in farming cultures, like I think we just our 21st century, we've gotten kind of so far from our original roots that like we just have a massive impatience. Mm-hmm. But I think in, in earlier cultures or in farming cultures, you just have this understanding that things take time. You do, they don't just come. Mm-hmm. And there, there are things you can be doing to cultivate the fruit that will eventually come. But because it's not there today, doesn't mean you stuff it or resent that you had it or mm-hmm. try and chase it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And like when you were saying like that God does give us the desires of our hearts, I don't think that that means he gives you every desire that you've ever had, obviously, Mm -hmm. or else I would be married to someone else right now. You know, that would have Mm -hmm. gone terribly for me if he Mm -hmm. did. And I'm so grateful that he he's, you know, picky about which desires he fulfills. But I think what he means there is that he ultimately gives us the greatest desire of our heart. Like when we are desiring that you know, that, that good outcome from our work. It's because often for me, I want to be loved. I want to, I want, I accept love. I feel that love has to come through my work being good. And so he might withhold the success of my work to show me that I am actually loved, you know, and the, the work gets taken out of the equation. And now I just have to be loved regardless of that. So the desire of my heart is still being fulfilled. It's just not how I thought it was. But I, I love mm-hmm. what you said about just stewarding those desires and and then asking God, like, I mean, I think it's fine and, and healthy to say, like, if this is not a desire that you want me to carry, then just take it from me. You know, like, I, I don't yeah. want to walk years and years with a desire that is not best for me or like the best for my mm-hmm. life. And, um, and I don't want to, yeah, like you said, like the when you're, when you're picking up stones and you should be casting them away, like, what is that going to do to you on the inside? And, and I think a lot of us have felt what that does to us. And it's not a place you want to live very long. You know, you, you want to get aligned Mm -hmm. with like his will and and not that it's like a bullseye, but it's, you know, are you like, is, is your heart aligned with God's heart? So that's good. Really good. Um, any, any final like advice or encouragement for someone who is feeling like they are maybe, maybe entering a winter, you know, I actually like just practically have a friend that's having a baby in 
February or no March. And she was like, I think this is just going to be a really long winter. And she said that a few times uh-huh. and I'm like, cause she's it's kid number three and she's like, I'm going to be stuck at home uh-huh. with a baby and long winter. Uh-huh. Um, any, like any tips, just like, I don't know, mom to mom, like, how do you, and then I don't mean like take your kids on activities, but I mean, how do you like, yeah, how do yeah. you survive? Like, how do you get through that and not just survive, but thrive in that? I think maybe just in seeing that winter is actually still a time to grow and on the outside, it looks pretty barren, but, and not like go make yourself grow. But I actually think winter is some of the sweetest time to pick up a new dialogue with God. Like, Mm. what do you want to do in my heart right here? Mm. What is it that you're wanting to reach in me? Usually the days where I feel cold and numb, the question that unlocks me is just kind of dialing down, silencing myself, having the word open in front of me and saying, what do you want to speak to me today? Like, what do you want to do in me right now? Yeah. I think winter is actually a great time to pick up a new conversation with God. Okay. I like that. I've never uh, heard it kind of cast in that light, but I think that's, that sounds, that sounds like a good way to use winter. (laughs) Yeah. And get warm by the fire. How can, how can people find you online and connect with you? And we've mentioned your book unseen. Where do they find that? Yeah. Unseen, you can find it anywhere where books are sold. Um, The subtitle of unseen is the gift of being hidden in a world that loves to be noticed. And then in a couple of months, probably not too long after this is released, we actually are going to be releasing a companion guide for Unseen and a video series that you could either do as a group or you could do individually just in the comfort of your bedroom. Awesome. And so you can find me online at sarahagerty.net or I do write I'm up right on a blog very occasionally there or have like other articles that I've written posted there. Mm-hmm. And then also on Instagram, I'm Sarah Hagerty writes. Okay. Awesome. I, that's so cool. So you can do You can lead it as like a group study with women. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's designed to, I mean, it's designed for groups, but also with the understanding that some people might just want to go through it on their own. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a book and a video series. Okay. And that's coming out in a couple months. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully All February, right. March. Sweet. Well, by that time I will be done with a book and maybe I'm going to launch my own book study. Ooh. That's um, That would be fun. That's awesome. It's a topic I could, I, I think a lot of us could, um, could spend a lot of time on to really dig into our own hearts. So yeah, thank you for just taking the time to chat with me and it's been fun to meet you, even yeah, though I know uh, yes. my brother is hanging out with your husband like every day. <laughs> I know, I know. Like a little bit of work, a lot of best play. buds. Yeah. They're like, yeah. he's always like, just make, it seems like all they, yeah, all they do is play at the office. I mean, I know they I really know. do. Work. Somehow they get stuff done yeah. somewhere in there. <laughs> Well, thank you, Sarah. It's been a a pleasure to talk with you. And um, thanks for your time and your wisdom. Awesome. Thanks, Haley. Thank you guys for listening. And I really hope that interview with Sarah encouraged you to uh, start a new conversation with God this winter. Uh, Whether you find yourself in a figurative season of winter or just the literal winter that we all find ourselves in, um, I hope that that encouraged you to start that new conversation. I really loved that she said that. And I also encourage you to get her book, Unseen. It is an incredible read. It's very real and very relatable to anyone who is a mom or just feels unseen in, in their work even. So again, send me your stories. You've got two days. It's January 28th. You've got two days left before the cutoff. And the question again is, what is God teaching you in your work and your motherhood? You can email me at Haley at kindledpodcast.com or leave a voicemail at 913-283-4514. And if you're not following me on Instagram, you should probably go do that. 
My Insta is HaleyWilliams.Kindle. All right, I'll talk to you guys next week.